we had just an amazing Sunday last week. Robbie and I did. Uh, great, great church, great gathering. And uh, it's kind of a funny story. I think it's, I'm not sure how it's going to fit in with the word, but I wanted to share it anyway. So Sunday afternoon, you know, we're home and we, you know, get a little rest. And then we decide we're going to take a walk. So like grab the dogs and, you know, go out our driveway and take a right hand turn. And I, and there's this pig running up the road <laughs> right to us, you know, little floppy ears. And it's like this little kind of like, I thought it was like a pot belly pig, you know, and found out it was later some like Chinese type pig or something. But anyway, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and this pig is super friendly. And then I realized in my, in, in my thinking that there is no way, I mean, I've got to find out whose pig this belongs to because it's going to be like coyote bait or something, right? And I'm like, I don't know what to do with the pig. So I actually called um, a person in our church that they're, they're real farmy, you know, and I'm like, and I can't imagine what she was thinking on the other phone, but I've, I've got this pig. We can't figure out what, I don't know what to do with this pig. And so she, she says, well, you know, I describe it to her and she says, well, I said, well, should I, you know, I, should I put it in my yard or should I put it in my kennel uh, until I can find the owner? And she says, well, you never want to put a rope on a pig. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, I'll learn something. <laughs> and then she said, about the only way you can really move it is to pick it up. I'm like, I'm not going to pick that pig up. There's no way. Neighbor girls by that time, they're involved, you know, from, from a couple different houses and the little pigs running around and liking everybody. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, what do we do? Went to the one house and there's nobody there. And went to another house and Robbie and I get on the four-wheeler and we're driving down the, you know, the dirt road and this pig is just basically running behind us and squealing all the way. And I'm going, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so I finally figure out, okay, somebody says, it's probably these guys on the corner. So we go around the corner. They're not home. I'm like, okay, well, let's go ahead and hopefully they don't, I, you know, I, in North Idaho, we got to be careful, right? So we go, we go into this driveway and we kind of pass their house, knock on the door, they're not home, and I see two pigs that look just like this pig. So I'm like, that's where that pig came from. I got it figured. So I have a little hole in the gate and I'm like, there's no way to get this pig in that pen. I'm going to have to pick this pig up. <laughs> and I'm hoping this pig doesn't bite me. And, 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 and my gal that I talked to said, well, when you pick them up, they'll probably squeal like bloody murder because that's their only defense system. I'm like, I'm getting ready, right? So I pick her up, you know, I set her in the pen. Anyway, that was our Sunday afternoon, but it, may, it, it was such a great connection with the neighbor. Because <laughs> I'm like, I hope when they get home that they had three pigs and not two because now they have three. You know, I mean, so we're just, go- I'm going, Hi, you can't make this up, right? Anyway, the neighbor gets a hold of us, and they're so grateful. The guy brings over like some hot buns, you know, that she's cooked up. We made a great connection, and uh, all that to say it has nothing to do with the message, but I thought it was really cool, so I wanted to share you. I, I know God's going God's to use that stuff. He just always uses that stuff, right? I have more of an appreciation for pigs now than I ever did. 
Okay, so I'm going to go to John 10, 1 through 11. We're in our series. If you're, if you're taking notes, title this Door In and Door Out. John 10, 1 through 11. It's going to be pretty Bible school heavy this morning, but uh, just bear with me and we'll get through it. Truly, truly, I say to you, this is Jesus, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought them out, All on his own, he goes in before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger that will not follow, but they will flee for him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said, I want you to remember that we're shifting. He again said, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. Somebody say door. I'm the door of the sheep. All who came in before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. And if anyone listens, or if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal Steal, kill, and destroy, and I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we're going to unpack this passage of Scripture this morning in our continuing series of the seven I am's that, that Jesus spoke. As, as it was already covered, um, Jesus, by using the term I am, immediately drew a comparison with the response of God when Moses asked, who should I say sent me? And before we do that, I actually want to go back to chapter 9, which is the kind of prequel of sorts to this discourse that he has. So we're going to look at John chapter 9, 1 through 5. And it says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? I mean, isn't like that... The terrible thing sometimes that happens, where we're just going, you know, we see somebody, instead of having compassion for them, we just go, well, if they just would have ate right, if they just wouldn't have eaten all that bacon, they wouldn't have had the heart attack, I, you know, whatever, we just kind of go there. But he says this, hey, Jesus answered, it's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am, the, I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So for starters, once again, I see that the miracles that Jesus did were the works of God and that there was a display. God wants to display. Listen, when we pray for people and somebody receives healing, God is on display. When we pray for somebody and they're released from addiction, God is on display. When we pray for somebody and they're released from oppression, depression, God is on display. And we need to see the works of God moving and it, because this is what we see Jesus doing. Do you, re- you recognize, I read something um, uh, recently that the second, um, how to put this, the second 
most critical part of our healthcare system in the United States, number two, is actually going to be depression, anxiety, mental illness. I'm telling you what, we need to see the works of God moving. And we need to be open to saying that God wants to do those through you. So then, uh, Jesus sent him to the Pharisees for a, a, a testimony. Is go to the religious system and show them what has happened. So they sent, uh, you know, Pharisees, you know, questioned him, and then they sent for his parents. This is crazy. It's like, I'm not sure if I believe this. Let's talk to his parents and ascertain, was he really blind from birth? And then they sent for the man again. I mean, this is kind of a crazy story. So this man starts preaching and challenging the, we have God in a box to the religious order of the day. In John 9, 24 through 27, it says, For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, because we know that this man's a sinner. Right? And he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing that I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to them, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? This guy starts preaching at him like, okay, I'm done with this thing. You got God in a box, and I'm just telling you, I received healing. I received freedom. right?" And so they got really mad at him, and they cast him out. Well, then Jesus encounters the Pharisees, hears that they cast him out, and that's where we, we pick up that first passage in John 10 that we, that we read. And we're talking about being the door and making the statement, I'm the good shepherd. So I want to talk about the desert for just a minute or two this morning because it applies to the culture and the environment that shepherds would have had to care for the sheep in, and it applies to the culture and world that we find ourselves in. First of all, it was full of danger and challenges. The shepherd would have a staff, which in our minds is just a walking stick, but actually the staff many times would be, you know, maybe four to five feet long, and it would be like heavy on one end because it was a defensive weapon. Sometimes they would actually even put, I mean, just studying this out, they'd put like, you know, uh, uh, nails or rocks or something on the end of it because it's like, hey, listen, David encountered and overcame, right, a bear and a lion while he was what? Shepherding the sheep of his father. So, I mean, it's just like there's a defensive thing that's going on. The desert can be a beautiful place and it can be a desperate place. And the sheep needed protection, Uh, If they were going to survive in this desert, they needed a good shepherd. They needed the guidance of the shepherd to survive and thrive. Sheep have, this is what I'm finding out. I'm just doing more research. Because in a way, it's like, man, Lord, I don't. You know, it says that we are the sheep of his pasture. I wish it would be like, we are the lions of his pasture. (laughs) Right? You know? You know, we, you know, we are the strength of his pasture, but we're not. It says that we are the sheep of his pasture. And so sheep have no natural means of defense or protection. Uh, they group up when threatened, hoping that another will be eaten. 
Seriously, I, I'm, I'm, I'm diving into this. I'm getting like, you know, discourse on sheep. Do you realize that, sure, that sheep can't nurse themselves back to health? They need the salve. They need the bandaging. They need the, they need the care of a shepherd. In Psalm 147.3, He heals the broken heart and binds up their wounds. They can't carry burdens like other animals. We weren't designed to carry burdens either. That's why in 1 Peter 5.7 it says, casting, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. You were not designed to carry the kind of things that the world and the culture and life pushes on you. And you've got to get, we got to get in that place where we realize, okay, not my, not my monkey, not my circus. But we don't do that very well. We carry them and we coddle them and we nurture them and we, and they destroy us. When Jesus is saying, cast your cares on me. We're identified. Now, okay, so even the word cast down refers to a, a sheep concept where if a, a sheep that is too heavy with fleece or a ewe that is pregnant ends up on its back, they can't turn themselves over. And unless somebody turns them over, they'll most likely perish. Did you know that about sheep? We are the sheep of his pasture. God, I want to be a lion. Psalm 103, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So they and we are dependent on knowing the voice of the Good Shepherd. The world's a dangerous place, much like the ancient desert. Listen, when people are in crisis, what voice do they turn to? The voice of government? The voice of politics? The voice of media? I mean, we turn, we're, we're trying to find out what, what, what's the truth, what are we doing here? Listen, we've got to get to that place where we recognize the voice of God in our lives because that is the only voice we were actually designed and created to respond to and keep, and, and, and keep us safe. The voice of New Age healers. There's a story in a British newspaper a number of years ago where 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 people in the people in the 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 country were having problems with like you know fertility issues young couples couldn't have babies so what did they do they were finding many of them were actually going to like the council of witches they're looking for a voice we were designed to respond to outside voices and the only voice is the voice of the lord so Let's unpack the dialogue that John, Jesus had in John 10 and see how it relates to us. First of all, shepherds in the Middle East would take their flocks and, I, you know, I'd take my flock. Uh, Forrest would take our, take his flock. You know, Jeff would take his flock and we'd all, you know, if we're, we're coming into a place, we'd all put the flocks in the same, same enclosure. And then what would happen is that there would be a doorkeeper. There would be a, a gatekeeper that would uh, oversee it, and then we'd kind of, you know, we'd go do whatever we're going to do, and then when it was time to come back and get our flock, the doorkeeper would actually recognize, oh, those are forest sheep, 
or those are Jeff's sheep. And then he would open the door, and then the shepherd would call out, and the sheep would actually, it didn't matter if there's, you know, 40, 50, 60, 80 of them in there, whatever, they would actually recognize that voice and come out. There's a story uh, about the uh, Palestinian uprising where um, there was a small village outside of Bethlehem, and in kind of retaliation for or whatever happened, some soldiers basically took all of the sheep of the village and they gathered them up in a big enclosure. True story. And then this woman came to one of the soldiers and said, you know, my husband has died and this is the only way that I can make a living. Can I get my sheep? And the soldier basically said, well, He said, you know, there's no way. They're all mixed up now anyway if we wanted to. And she said, well, can I do it? He said, well, go ahead. So her 10-year-old boy steps out, pulls a flute out of his pocket, and starts playing a little ditty. One by one, she, about 20 of them, 25 of them, started raising their heads, followed them out of the enclosure, and down the road. They knew the sound that the shepherd makes. So what would happen is that uh, the shepherds in the Middle East, they put them together in this large sheepfold, would be a wall of rocks or maybe the end of a canyon with a door at the entrance. And then once again, this, this porter, watchman, doorkeeper, gatekeeper would guard the gate. And the word porter or gatekeeper In John 10, this first passage would represent John the Baptist. The the original word doorkeeper uh, would would be translated either as revelation or oracle in in that original language. So here's what's happening. John the Baptist, we see that uh, earlier John was was questioned by the priest in chapter 1. John 1, 19-27 it says, and this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, No, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. They said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who have sent us. Who, what do you say about yourself? And listen, you need to listen to this. He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. And even who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And then John 1, 29 It says, the next day, Jesus, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now let me make a couple points. Number one, baptism is a big deal. If you you are, we've had a lot of, of people coming to the Lord. And if you are one of those, I would highly encourage you, sign up, get baptized. It's one of the most profound moments that you will walk in in your journey with Jesus. Plus, Jesus did it, so do what Jesus did. Amen? Amen? The second thing is, so we see that the first door and the porter in the passage show that we know Jesus is the good shepherd because He 
Only he came through the proper door. Not over the fence, not over the wall. And if you break this down, what it means is the mark of a true shepherd is that he came through the door. It was the door that the prophets described in the Old Testament when they spoke of a virgin, of a town, of a manger. And Jesus was saying to the Pharisees that the good shepherd, the only one that had been described and that he was the true shepherd of the sheep because he came through the only door recognized by Scripture, recognized by the prophets, and recognized by historical understanding. Now the second thing is that we find that they didn't understand this figure of speech. So Jesus goes on to explain the second scenario that would be familiar to them in the context of sheep and shepherding. And that's where we're going to pick it up again in John 10, 7 through 11. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. You realize the first time he said, I'm the true shepherd, and the doorkeeper recognized that he was the true shepherd. Now he's actually saying, I'm the door of the sheep. So he says, truly, truly, I said to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. Somebody say door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, and I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So, once again, the first example is a gathering of the mixing of multiple flocks in a location. The other is when the shepherd would take his flock out alone in the desert. And so what he would do, now he's, he's, he's pulled his sheep out from the big enclosure, and now he's taking them out into the desert, which is full of dangers and full of you know traps and full of... You know, all kinds of things. And he would guide them to places to eat. And many times it would be either in the heat of the day or at night. Then he would find a place that he could gather them up. And it once again, it would be maybe, you know, a rock wall, cliffs. It would be something like this. And then he would lay himself down at the door. Okay. Um. The passage speaks to me of doors. Doors are important. They let you in. They let you out. They're closed. When they're closed and they're locked, they provide protection. During the Passover, they were instructed, the people of Israel instructed to put blood on the top and the sides of door. Doors are one of the most, think about this, important components of a house. A house that is not finished, not safe, not secure, it's not without doors, right? I mean, there's nobody that would build a house and then go, I'm not going to put any doors in. Because it would be like, why? That does not make sense. And doors are important because like you say, hey, friends, you just come in through the back door. If you're somebody else, then make sure you knock on the front door. I mean, doors are super important in our life. If you think about this, the Bible says so many things about doors. Job 38.8 
It says, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst from the womb? Psalm 78, 23 said, Yet He commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. Wow, doors. You see doors symbolically all through the Scripture. So when Jesus said, I am the door, the listeners immediately connected. They connected with history. They connected with the the Scripture. They connected with the prophets. They connected with the shepherding thing. They're like, I am the door. How about Psalm 141.3? Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ooh, that's a tough one right there. You need to shut that door. Right? Come on, man. Life would be so much nicer if we just like watch the door of your lips. Man, is that like, is that door open? Is it just open? Yeah, I'm, seriously. Not banging around in the wind. You just lock that thing. Keep whatever's inside inside. Keep it secure. Keep it safe. Or maybe it's a door of blessing of your words. You need to open up that door of your lips. You need to make sure that what comes out is a blessing and not a curse. Comes out as building up and not criticizing. You know, you. I've said this before, but. Sometimes your mouth can be your best friend, even though a lot of people here, you got in, how many of you got in trouble because of your mouth? Right? I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, man, and sometimes you just say the wrong thing, and guess what? Grandma or mama are going to wash your mouth out with soap. I remember the first time that I, I, I decided I was going to cuss. And I was a, uh, I was just a young guy, you know, I was a kid on my grandma's ranch in Clark Fort, and I, I'd heard my grandma say, I'd heard her say damn one time, and I thought, hmm, that sounded pretty good to me. So I was actually out in the backyard, and I was practicing. I was, I was like, damn, damn, ooh, that sounds pretty good. And then I saw my grandma come out. I'm like, uh oh, I'm in trouble. So you know what I did? I went, water dam. Water dam. <laughs> water dam. True story. Set a guard over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. Proverbs 26, 14. As the door turns on its hinges, ooh, so does a slugger on sluggard on his bed. First Corinthians 16:9. You get a lot of traction just thinking and studying about doors first corinthians 69 paul writes for a wide door of effective work is open to me and there are many adversaries that's why you need a shepherd outside that but a wide door listen it's a wide door for effective work can i just say this i felt in preparing this message That for people in here, there's many people in here, there's a wide door that is opening in your life for effective ministry. Effective things that are going to happen. But you're out in the desert, you got to make sure that you're aligned with the voice of the shepherd. Because he is the good shepherd. 
So this passage speaks to me of going in and going out. Doors get you in and doors get you out. Jesus is the door into salvation. Wow, this is, this is so... Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that online. Salvation is a change of your spiritual status. Salvation is a change of your spiritual address. Isn't this amazing? Going from death spiritually to life eternally. Jesus is the door out for people that are trapped in a broken religious system. Jesus is the door out of shame, of guilt, of impurity, of bad decisions, of addictions, of bad habits, of wrong thinking. Jesus is the door out of that kind of life. Jesus is the door in to abundant life. He's out of all of those things and then He's into peace and joy and righteousness. I mean, Jesus will lead you out and He will lead you in. And then He'll lead you out for wide, effective doors. Because that's what a shepherd would do. He would, he would, he would take some time and would gather a sheep and then he would lay across the gate and then he would get them out and then he would lead them out to pasture. He'd find the greenest ones. He'd find the best ones. John 10, 9-10 again, I am the door and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Wow. So cool, Lord. Your word is just amazing. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Not a just get by. Abundantly. I mean, have you ever thought about how we measure out how we give? Okay, well, I'm just going to kind of do the, you know, whatever I need to do. But that's not how Jesus moves. He says abundance. I want you to have life abundantly. What does that mean? It's like, wow, I want you to have life abundantly. I I mean, I, I just feel like sometimes we move into even what God has called us and we forget that He's the good shepherd. And that what He's moving us into is a blessing beyond what we can comprehend at the time that we're trying to, okay, there's an open, I think I'm going to go through that door, but man, I'm scared. Why? Because you have a good shepherd. He's leading you. He led you in and now he's leading you out. And finally, Jesus is at the door of your heart. He's ready to take you out of sin, out of brokenness, out of death, out of shame, and into eternal life and into hope, joy, and peace. Jesus is the good shepherd that came to give his life for you before you were born. That blows me away. He saw into your future. He saw into your need. He, and he made a decision. He, he saw that your destiny, the Bible says there's a way that would seem right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And Jesus saw that and said, I'm going to change that destiny because I'm the door. You enter in and then I'm going to be the door 
that leads you out. Wow, this is crazy, crazy good. Thank you for your word, Lord. Jesus saw that we were like sheep with no shepherd, and he had compassion for us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to read and pray this together this morning. One of the most well-known, familiar passages in Scripture is Psalm 23. Can we just, can we read this together? And here's what I want you, here's what I want you to, to, to recognize. Sometimes when we look at the Word of God, we just kind of read it you got to realize you can also just pray the Word of God. You can, you can pray that. You can recite that. You can do this. I, I, I just want to have kind of a prayerful thing as we're doing this. So let's do this together. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, what is the Lord speaking to you? This is amazing. You know, in this culture, in this season of uncertainty, of fear, of voices that you realize, man, I can't trust that voice. I can't trust that voice. I can't trust that. that. You, you realize, man, we're, we're created to... We're created to hear the voice of a shepherd. And he's going to lead us out into abundance, an abundant life, abundant peace, abundant joy, where even when things all around you might be just like, look like they're going to hell in a handbasket, you just go, but I have a good shepherd. And his rod, okay, and the rod would be what you would use, it had a little crook on it rescue, pull you back. My staff are going to comfort me. They're going to comfort me. I know the intent. I can lay down in peace because Jesus is at the door. I can, I can, I can, I can go out with faith because you know what? When that shepherd would get up, he wouldn't drive out the sheep. He'd actually lead them out. He'd be before them. It's like God's leading you into some new things and Jesus is before you. That that way you can always kind of keep your eye on Him. Okay, there He is. I'm not sure where I'm going. This whole new endeavor, this whole new adventure, this whole new thing, whatever's going on, this whole new thing I'm, I'm dealing with, but I can see, I sense, I walk by faith that Jesus is before me. I'm going to pray with you this morning. I want you to just bow your heads and hearts with me. Lord, I I just, I thank you so much that you are the good shepherd. 
I thank you so much that you are the door. That you open doors, you close doors. God, you, that, 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 that you let us in and you lead us out. That you go before us. And right now, Lord, I just... There may be people here this morning that you've never taken the step of faith and the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you thought God was a God who drives people. But I'm telling you what, there's a leading of the Lord. And I believe that there are people, maybe you're online with us or maybe you're here in the, in the service with us, that there's a, there's, a, there's a leading you're feeling, you're sensing. You've never taken that step. I love the picture. Jesus said, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And he's talking about the door of your heart because you have doors in your life. And those are doors that only you can open and only you can close. And the most beautiful picture is that you're hearing the voice of Jesus. And, you know, you can talk through a door and you can kind of perceive somebody's there. But in this door, the door of your heart, the only handle's on the inside. Only you can reach down, take the step of faith and open and say, Jesus, please come in. I need the good shepherd. I need life. If that's you this morning and you're ready to reach down, open the door of your heart and say, please come in. Please come in and change my life, change my destiny, change my future. If that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you believe that Jesus was the Son of God, that He died, was raised up again, you profess and confess. This is part of the agreeing together. So if you're here this morning, I just want you to just kind of raise your hand. Just let me know, hey, I'm agreeing with you right now, Pastor. I I, I want to take that decision to, to, to make that step of faith. If you're online with us, I think there's a link. If that's you, just click that link. You can text uh, HOTL to 97000 and just say, hey, today's the day I made that decision. Amen. Lord, I just pray for the peace that passes understanding over your people. Thank you so much for this opportunity for us to gather together, for us to be equipped, for us to be uh, repaired, for us to be impacted by your spirit, by your word. Thank you that we are a people that can gather and worship together. You abide in the praises of your people. We're so grateful for this. And we just give you the praise and give you the honor in the name of Jesus. And we all said, Amen.